Hey folks, hope you're doing well. I just wanted to let everyone know before we start the episode that the student section is now live on YouTube. We have our very own YouTube channel. You can subscribe. You can just look us up on YouTube at the student section podcast or our tag is at student section sports. You can find the link to subscribe on our Instagram, on our website or anywhere else you consume the podcast. Thank you for all your support, folks. Can't wait to keep growing over the offseason and as we head into 2023. And without further ado, enjoy the show, folks. How's it going? Happy Friday, and welcome in to episode number 12 of the Student Section Podcast, where we talk all things college sports. Today is Friday, January 20th, 2023. Always remember, we drop new episodes every single Friday. You can find us on Instagram at Student Section CFB, or you can go and look at us online at the studentsection.net. Always remember, subscribe to the show, download the show, rate it, and share it with your friends. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite platforms, and we've just made the move over to YouTube to bring the podcast over there, so I'm super excited for that. So, without further ado, welcome to the offseason, folks. There's a lot to break down in the world of college football, despite games not being played, and I think I want to start off today by giving my way too early picks and predictions for 2023. There's already a lot I'm looking forward to, and I can't wait any longer to talk about it. I've got my way too early top 10, my way too early Heisman contenders, and I've got three teams, four teams technically, that I think could be the next TCU and kind of make that unprecedented run that no one expects them to make. So if you're into all that, folks, stick around. We've got an action-packed episode ahead, a lot of good content and analysis. So without further ado... Let's get into the episode. Enjoy, folks. This Georgia team dominated from start to finish tonight. The Horn Frogs were no match for the Bulldogs. And the Dogs are going to get some more hardware momentarily. So as we talked about last episode, Georgia wins their second consecutive national championship. Perfect 15-0 season. And we're not going to bore you with the details of that game this time because, like I said, we're looking forward to 2023 and... I think we should start off with Georgia because they are number one in my way too early top 10 for 2023. This team is the new kings of college football. And really when I was looking at, you know, past favorites to win the title, past number one teams, this is going to be the first time in about eight years that Alabama is not the betting favorite heading into the season to win the national title. Georgia is the new top dog in college football. They're the new team to beat, and the numbers show it. They're 29-1 and in their last 30 games. And, you know, everyone's saying, oh, they're losing 12 starters. They're not going to be the same. They're going to take a step back. I got news for you. They lost 15 starters last year, and then they went 15-0. and They lost seven first-round picks. Nearly their entire defense is now playing in the NFL, and that did not deter them one bit this year. Georgia doesn't rebuild, folks. They reload, and I expect Kirby Smart and company to do that again this year. So let's take a look at what they have coming back, and I think you obviously have to start at Brock Bowers on offense. They're returning six starters on the offensive side of the ball. 
Bowers obviously had no draft eligibility this year, so he's coming back after a 56-catch, 790-yard, and six-touchdown season. He's going to be the focal point at the center of that offense, and he's going to be a necessary piece because Stetson Bennett no longer there. It's looking like Carson Beck is going to be the starting quarterback, and he may go through growing pains early on, but Bowers should help him out a lot with that. And the other thing that's really going to work to his benefit is Georgia's early season schedule is extremely easy. They don't really have a tough game until they face Florida week seven. And I still don't know if I'd consider that a tough game. You know, Florida and Billy Napier are kind of trending in the wrong direction. But Georgia has an absolute cakewalk to a 7-0, record heading into next season. And that's really going to help out Carson Beck. On the defensive side, six starters come back as well. And I'm going to be looking at Michael Williams and Malachi Starks. Starks, obviously, one of the nation's best freshmen in that secondary. He's going to take another step forward next year and be the anchor on that defense, covering a lot of top targets and limiting a lot of top options, whether it be receivers, running backs, tight ends, you name it. His versatility is king. He's going to be one of the best defenders in college football next year. So for those reasons, I don't see Georgia taking a step back. Now let's move on to my number two team heading into next year. That's going to be Michigan. Now these Wolverines have really, over the past two years, asserted themselves among the premier programs in the sport. The only team with a better record than them over the past two seasons is in fact Georgia. But now it's time for Michigan to really look to take the next step. They've reached the playoff twice in a row. And, you know, they've kind of hit a rock, hit a brick wall the last two times, ran into two very talented teams. Now it's time for them to take that next step. And the stars have seemingly aligned for them to do so in 2023. They're bringing back nearly all of their production from a season ago. And when you look at all the other top contenders in the sport, they're kind of in this transitional period. A lot of them have young quarterbacks like Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Penn State, all teams with first-year quarterbacks. If Michigan ever wants to capitalize, now is the time. This could be their best shot to win a title for a long time, I think. And like I said, they bring back a lot on the offensive side. Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards both back. They combined for over 2,400 yards and, and 25 touchdowns last year. Six and a half yards per carry between the two. Blake Corum in all likelihood, would have been in New York last year had he not gotten hurt in Week 11 against Illinois. J.J. McCarthy's back on the offensive end. Had a solid year. Going to look to take that next step into an elite quarterback next season. But Corum being back and then returning a lot of offensive linemen is certainly going to help him with that. On the defensive end, they've got Will Johnson, who is the highest-graded man-to-man corner in the country. Oh yeah, he did that as just a freshman last year. Junior Colson, the middle linebacker, stays. Those are going to be their two key pieces on the defensive end. And one thing I really wanted to highlight about Harbaugh and the Wolverines is they have run the transfer portal over the past couple years. You look at all the talent they've got coming in. Ernest Hausman, Josiah Stewart, and then you've got three amazing offensive linemen in Miles Hinton, Ladarius Henderson, and Drake Nugent. These are guys that are going to make immediate impacts on this team Michigan has used the portal to their advantage, and I don't want to speculate on the Jim Harbaugh situation, but as long as he sticks around and it looks like he's going to, this is a team where I feel the sky is the limit for them in 2023. Moving on now to number three, and this is where I have their rivals, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, as we mentioned, Ohio State's kind of in this transitional period. C.J. Stroud likely gone, Jackson Smith and Jigba 
gone. They've lost a lot of talent on the offensive end, but they still have one of the more talented offenses in the country. And I do think Brian Hartline was an A-plus hire, or not hire, rather, but promotion to uh, the offensive coordinator position. It's still unclear if Jim Knowles as the defensive coordinator has worked out in their favor or not. But they've got the talent to go anywhere. They're bringing back 14 starters, 7 on offense, 7 on defense. And Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ekbuka, 2,300 yards and 24 scores between them. So Kyle McCord, the new quarterback, will have no shortage of weapons to throw to. And that should really help him ease into that role. They're also bringing on Brandon Innes, one of the most highly touted receiving prospects in the country. He'll probably get a, a lot of run as a true freshman. And then 7 starters come back on defense, as we said. And among those guys, I'm really looking at Tommy Eichenberg. He just announced he's coming back for another year. He was quietly their defensive MVP last year. Led the team in tackling. One of the most versatile linebackers in the country. Very athletic. He is going to be a rock in the middle of that defense for them to build around next year. Expect him to be one of the best players in the country. Now, the questions for this team really lie on the offensive line. They're going to lose their two starting tackles in Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. That's going to be a big hole that they need to fill. They're going to need to protect their young quarterback. That's going to be at the top of the docket in spring football. But otherwise, I really like this Ohio State team heading in to 2023. They're obviously going to have to overcome their demons in Michigan to get there, but I'm very optimistic about this Ohio State team moving forward. And at number four, kind of our first surprise here, I've got another Big Ten team in Penn State. And this is a team that I think is really going to be dangerous in 2023. They overachieved this season with a very young roster, uh, roster, one of the youngest rosters in college football, and they're returning 13 starters nearly all of their offensive production. The question now is if they can take the next step and beat Michigan and or Ohio State, if you remember correctly. Those two top four teams, those were Penn State's only two losses this year. They won 11-2. They won the Rose Bowl. I'm very optimistic about Penn State. You've got Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, possibly the best running back duo. To me, it's between them and Michigan. All back, 1,900 yards and 22 touchdowns between them. Now, once again, young quarterback Drew Aller, the former five-star, but he's going to get a lot of help from his defense. They get seven starters back. Abdul Carter has all the tools necessary to be a stud. He's going to kind of take over in that role that P.J. Mustafer had. There is a lot of youth, a lot of promise on this Penn State team. And I can't wait to see where they go next year if they can take that next step. Now with the number five spot, I've got Alabama. Everyone was waiting for this one throughout these early rankings. And Alabama really has to remind everyone who they are. Nick Saban has to tell everyone that, hey, show everyone that I still run things in college football. And it all starts with coaching and discipline. Forget talent on this team. Last year, worst team in the SEC and taking penalties. And they were 10th in the conference in turnover margin and it's going to be tough to fix that this year because talent wise this team's at a real crossroads I mean only five starters each on offense and defense back Bryce Young is gone it's going to be a battle between Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson you're going to need to see an improvement on the offensive line and surround those young quarterbacks with weapons which they failed to do last year Bryce Young had no one to throw to he wasn't getting protected very well And they've already kind of started in that respect. They brought in Caden Proctor on the offensive line. He's going to be a day one addition. He should slot in phenomenally on that offensive line. But on the defensive side as well, once again, at a bit of a crossroads 
Will Anderson and Henry Toto going to be two tough guys to replace. This defense is going to be young. You can always count on them being athletic, but the lack of experience is going to hurt Alabama on both sides of the ball. On defense, Pete Golding is gone, so that might offer a bit of help on the defensive end. Maybe a different defensive scheme would help. I know Alabama fans had their quarrels with Pete Golding this year. But overall, this is a very interesting team solely because of the lack of experience. Coaching is going to carry this team as far as they want to go this year. It's not going to be talent. Now, at the number six spot, this gets a little bit interesting. I have USC, and USC is a team that when I drafted these rankings for the first time and I really tried to position all these teams where I thought was fair, TCU at one, or not TCU, USC, at one point I had USC at 10, at one point I had them at 5, at one point I had them at 7, I'm so torn on where to put this team because on one side of the ball, they have all the tools to be a national title contender, but on the other side of the ball, they cannot put things together whatsoever. So I think 6 is a pretty fair ranking for them, you know, regardless of the issues on defense, them being unable to tackle They've still got the best player in college football, Kayla Williams, going to be the favorite to repeat as the Heisman. I am so excited to watch him play for another year, but on the defensive end, there are some questions. You're going to have to replace your arguably your best defensive player in Tuli Tuipolotu, not to mention on offense, Jordan Addison and Travis Dye are gone, two of your most versatile weapons, guys you can really pound in tough situations. You're going to have to find another go-to guy for Caleb Williams because those were his two go-to guys last year. They're both heading off to the NFL. But in the end, wherever this team wants to go, Caleb Williams is going to be the guy that carries them there. It's going to be nobody else. So USC, interesting team going into 2023. At the number seven spot right behind them, I do have Washington. And Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix Jr., are probably one of my favorite duos in all of college football. They came together so quickly, and they've both ascended to near-star status in the sport. Kalen DeBoer, one of the fastest-rising coaches. Michael Penix, back for another year. He's one of my Heisman contenders. He's going to be one of the fastest-rising quarterbacks in college football. But Washington, to me, is a perfect example of how this Pac-12 conference is a conference that's really on the rise, and especially... You know, in the era of super conferences where they're losing USC and UCLA, teams like Washington, teams like Oregon are going to be there to pick up the slack and become the new dominant teams in this conference when Oregon, or not Oregon, USC and UCLA are off to the Big Ten. So Washington's going to be one of my favorites in the Pac-12 this year. They've got seven starters back on offense, a lot of talent for Michael Penix, uh, Michael Penix to work with, both on the offensive line and in his skill position groups. Very excited to watch Washington this year. And right behind them, I'm going to group these two teams together. At the 8 and the 9 spots, I have LSU and Florida State. To me, these two teams are interchangeable, both very good squads, but to me, they're kind of in the exact same position. Both uh, Brian Kelly and Mike Norvell kind of mastered this overnight rebuild where... You know, it only took them a year or two, but they've got these two teams right where they want to be. Both completed immense rebuilds in record time. Both of these guys are phenomenal recruiters. And like I said, these two teams are in very, very similar situations. Jaden Daniels and uh, Jordan Travis, two veteran quarterbacks coming back for one more year to try and take these teams to the the, the next level. These are two of my dark horse playoff contenders. I think these two teams, Florida State specifically, are getting a lot more hype than they maybe should. 
but they're still very good teams nonetheless. I've seen people rank them in the top five, top four in their way too early rankings. I think eight and nine, perfect for these two teams until they can prove something, but I really like them where they are. Two teams on the rise, definitely, with two great young head coaches. So rounding out the top 10, I have Notre Dame at the 10 spot. Remember when I said earlier in the season after Notre Dame had started out with a couple of bad losses, I told Notre Dame fans on this show not to worry, and I was right. Marcus Freeman is building something in South Bend. Now he's got his quarterback in Sam Hartman. He's got a top 10 recruiting class that he's bringing in, over 20 guys of four-star caliber or higher. Notre Dame's a team to be excited about heading forward. Definitely one of my playoff dark horses if they can figure things out at their skill positions on offense. But their front seven is solid. They've got a veteran-laden secondary. Very excited to see where Notre Dame goes this year. Now, that does it for my way-too-early top 10. I now want to head into some teams that I think could potentially be the next TCU and be the next Cinderella story that cracks the college football playoff. And the first team that I wanted to talk about is Oregon State. Jonathan Smith and company have done a heck of a job at Oregon State. Last year, a 10-win season, their first one in a very long time. 6-3 and three in a very strong Pac-12 conference, and they're bringing back 14 starters they're getting DJ Uyunglele to be their quarterback, and their lack of a consistent quarterback and consistent quarterback play was really what hurt them last season. They were had to lean on their run game more than they wanted to in those tough situations, but I'm really, really excited to watch Oregon State have a much more versatile offense this year, something that really limited them last year. I don't know how good DJ is going to be, but I think he's going to slot in very well with this team. They obviously routed Florida State 30-3 in their bowl game in the Las Vegas Bowl. And after ranking 11th in the Pac-12 in passing offense, that's going to skyrocket this year. And that's what's going to help them take that next step to the next level. Going over to the Big 12 now, I want to talk about Texas Tech. A team that, with first-year head coach Joey McGuire, a former high school coach, went 8-5, and five, had a winning record in the Big 12 for the first time since 2009. They beat Oklahoma, they beat Texas, and then they beat Ole Miss in their bowl game. McGuire's got a new six-year contract. Texas Tech has one of the more unique offenses in college football. I'm really excited to see what their skill position troops can do this coming season. I think they're going to be one of the surprise teams that people have really forgotten about that jump into national recognition this year. Texas Tech is definitely a team I'm watching. They added Dre McCray and C.J. Bakersville at wide receiver and safety. Two guys that I think very highly of and I've talked about in recent podcasts. They also added a couple key pieces in the trenches to kind of shore up a weakness of theirs from last year. Texas Tech's a team I like going forward and I think could really add two or three wins to their win total next year. Now let's head up to Big Ten country and let's talk about Luke Fickle and Wisconsin, folks. I mean, it's not very often that you revolutionize a program and completely change the way they play football, but it looks like that's where Wisconsin's going. That's the direction that they're trending in. They're going to go from this old school smash mouth football team to Luke Fickle's kind of opened up offense, and they got three quarterbacks transferring in to choose from to lead that group. Tanner Mordecai, Nick Evers and Braden Locke are the new quarterbacks in town. I think Mordecai is going to win the job fairly easily. 
And if you know anything about SMU football last year, they were one of the most dynamic offenses in the country. Along with those quarterback additions, Wisconsin also has several offensive line transfers coming in from Cincinnati with Luke Fickle. They've got Joe Huber and Jake Renfro coming in on the offensive line to help protect their new quarterbacks and skill players. And it's going to be very easy for this Wisconsin team to rack up wins in a weak Big Ten West division. Don't be surprised if they add several wins to their 2022 total. So moving on from the team side of things, I think now it's time to talk about some individual awards. And of course, we're going to talk about the Heisman. I want to give you my top three contenders for the award in 2023, as well as some of my dark horse picks that might be able to make some noise. So without further ado, let's get into that. All right, first up is Caleb Williams, who, like I said from the beginning, is the best player in college football for this upcoming year. I don't see that changing. 4,500 yards, 42 touchdowns, and five picks. Top five in the nation in QBR, first in touchdowns, top three in yards. He is an all-around stud, probably a lock to be the number one in the upcoming NFL draft. I don't really see anyone that's going to take that mantle from him, unless, you know, obviously the team drafting first overall does not need a quarterback. But Caleb Williams is the best player in the sport. He's probably going to have the best betting odds to win the Heisman this year. Although it is very hard to repeat, I don't think you can go wrong putting your money on this guy, especially in the kind of system he plays in. That USC offense really puts him in positions to create on so many different occasions, I feel like. However, as a close second, I am going to look at Blake Corum, the Michigan running back, back for one more year. And this was the best running back in college football last year. And like I said, would have probably earned himself a trip to New York had he not been hurt in week 11 against Illinois. But the numbers speak for themselves. 1,400 yards and 18 touchdowns, a little over six yards a carry. And that's with missing the final three games of the season. This guy might have been approaching 2,000 yards had he stayed healthy the whole way. To me, he almost would have been a lock to win the Heisman if he had stayed healthy. But Blake Corum, much like Caleb Williams, plays in an offense that plays perfectly to his style. Ground and pound, give me the ball 30 times a game. I'll run it between the tackles. And that's why I think he is a serious contender to dethrone Caleb Williams and take home the Heisman next year. Final guy I want to talk about here is none other than Drake May. As a freshman last year, 4,300 yards and 38 touchdowns, only seven picks. This guy, much like Caleb Williams before him, is going to be a stud going into this year's NFL draft. He is the typical pro-style quarterback. He can do everything an NFL quarterback can do, and he is still leading Mac Brown's offense, one of the most prolific units in college football. He's going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to get an opportunity to do things with his legs. I think Drake May is the number three guy behind Williams and Corum to potentially win the Heisman this year. And I know it's very difficult to narrow it down to three guys, especially this early. So I wanted to give a couple of dark horse candidates that I potentially think could make some noise. And that's Marvin Harrison Jr., Sam Hartman, Jaden Daniels, and and, uh, Jordan Travis. Those four guys could have easily been in this top three rankings. But like I said, very hard to narrow it down to three guys this early. But those are four guys that you should definitely, definitely keep an eye on going forward. 
So, with all that being said, that concludes this edition of the Student Section Podcast. This was episode 12, and remember, we drop new episodes every single Friday. Be with us again next Friday. It's going to be a fun episode. We're going to talk a little college basketball. You can find us on Instagram, where the content never ends, at Student Section CFB, or you can take a look at us online at thestudentsection.net. Subscribe to the show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and all your favorite platforms. Download the show, rate the show, and share it with your friends. That helps us out a great deal. And remember to subscribe to our new YouTube channel. So, with all that being said, folks, whether you're on the couch or in the bleachers this weekend, enjoy the games, and we will see you next time. Take care, ladies and gents.